재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 That beautiful music you're hearing right there is the sound of Christian Kim performing Pablo Sarasata's Air Bohemia Christian is our guest this week on People in Seoul, and wow, does he have an interesting background. He is an American-born son of a Korean mother and a German father. He's had an extensive musical education, performed his first solos at the age of 12, and he's been all over the world, received a massive arm-long length of uh, awards from various corners of the musical community. He's been on tour in Europe and in Korea, and now he's back as a lecturer in violin at Gangnam University, and he's pursuing a PhD at Seoul National University. Christian, welcome to the studio. Hello, Kurt. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to have you. Uh, there's just a whole lot of places and things to talk about here. Um, you were a little bit of a, a child prodigy, weren't you? I mean, well, I personally t- don't like <laughs> like the, the term prodigy, but I mean, I enjoyed playing violin from an early age on, and. Yes, let's just go And with so that. at the age of 12, you were in essentially one of your first uh, major performances. Yes, at the age of 12, I played for the first time as a soloist with an orchestra. Mm-hmm. So that's my orchestra debut, yes. Um, you're, you're furthering your education formally, your musical education, uh, at Seoul National University. What are you focusing on in the world of uh, performance or violin or composition? What, what's your area of study? Well, um, the program at Seoul National is a very unique program, the PhD program, because it's on the one hand very performance-based. So I do a part of my program is to play a certain amount of recitals, but also I can write a dissertation that is, of course, um, academic, and I will uh, focus on a certain um, repertoire of a certain period in the classical industry that I, in the classical history, that I find very interesting and not very much written about so far. Mm. You are the son of a uh, Korean piano master, shall we say? Uh, sure, yeah. And uh, your father is a uh, also a, a German in the music world. Does was he a, a, also an instrumentalist? Well, my, my as you said, my mother is a wonderful pianist, and mm. she came to Germany for studies where she met my father. My father is not a um, musician by profession; he is a scientist, a chemist. But he passionately plays organ in church and also plays the piano too. And they also met through music. Hmm. And what are your earliest sort of musical recollections? Was it mom sitting you down at the piano and saying, "You'll thank me later"? Or <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. Actually, I there are pictures, and I do remember my mom um, was in her final semesters of studying organ for a concert diploma, and I remember just crawling around the organ pedals when she was practicing and. And uh, yeah, those I just grew up with music in our household, and mm-hmm. so did my siblings too. And it's just been a part of our lives. Um, not even meant to be professional to an extent, but it was just part of our life at home. Mm. How would you characterize your violin playing? That's that's an incredibly blunt question, isn't it? When you have so many songs in your repertoire, but uh, what I'm getting at is, what kind of voice do you think you are best at making the violin express? Well, I hope that my playing is, if anything, emotional. Mm. Because, I mean, that's, of course, I think that I would speak uh, for many of us musicians. I think, after all, the most important thing is to evoke some emotions in the listeners. And that also means that you have to be emotional on stage to be able to transmit something to the audience. 
And so if, if anything, I hope it's that. Well, let's see if we can't. We're going to listen to a couple more uh, examples of your playing. And we've got one queued up right now. Uh, the title, Carmen Duo Final or Final. Um, can you just tell us a tiny bit about this piece of music before we listen? Well, okay, this is a um, virtuoso piece. I arranged two Carmen fantasies, which are both by themselves very virtuoso. And the two solo violin parts I arranged for a duo, actually. And this is me playing both parts of this arrangement. And actually, this is a video you made also on uh, YouTube. We're yes. going to talk about that right after we get a listen. Let's go ahead and play it. Really cool. Um, and as you said, you are playing both of the key parts in this. You, 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 the YouTube video is cool. I would uh, advise the listeners to go check out so Christian much. Kim, Carmen, over on YouTube. You are in the same outfit on both sides of the frame, <laughs> playing the uh, different parts, and then the videographer merged it. So it looks, it looks like you're playing a duet with yourself. Yes, that was the idea. Yeah. Yes. One part is sort of the frantic up and down the, the, the fretboard of the violin, and the other one is sort of the more kind of consistent elements, right? Yes, it switches back and forth, but it's always that like two dualities are c getting together at the same time. Your brother does a lot of your videos. Yes, my brother. I'm so lucky that my brother is not only he used to be he's a good cellist too, um, but he is professionally an archaeologist, but also in, in uh, documentary filming archaeology. Mm. And... We just um, we were both so much into movies and growing up that we just came up with a couple of ideas we wanted to try, and the YouTube videos were like part of this too. Is video, do you think, important? I mean, you're uh, on the young side of things. I think you just maybe turned thirty a, a minute ago or so, and um, is video important in the mix when you are a, a young musician, even in a classical kind of genre? That's the thing, especially in classical these days. I think we, <clears throat> for too long, I think our business has been so exclusive and just uh, concerned with themselves. And I think it's important for us to also find, while of course sticking to what are our traditions and strengths, to, to find how we can make it a bit more accessible, a bit more interesting also for a crowd. It's not necessarily a classical concert goer. And that was part of the idea. Just be, I'm just casually dressed like I would be normally, and playing something that's a bit has a bit different take on classical music. That was mm. the idea. Well, yeah, I think you have a lot of choices in front of you. I mean, if you chose to, you could simply go the very straight laced conservative route and play only in large symphony orchestra environments, usually with people that are two and three times your age, or um, you know, to, to you've got this kind of I hope this is uh, a compliment. K-pop vibe about you. You've got the hair. You've got this look. You have a youthful, you know, uh, appearance that I could think a producer might walk you down a different road and take your classical music in um, a more poppy direction. Do you ever think about that? 
You know, Kurt, that's actually very current um, because I, on the one hand, as you mentioned, I do, I mean, I do teach at university and I am a classically trained violinist and this is where I come from. At the same time, um, I do right now, um, I, I just played a European tour with a kind of a classical band huh. and we do play classical music, but also we mix it a little bit with like electronic elements, some EDM and everything, but play in classical concert halls only. So um, it's... I think I right now I love this mixture of everything and I do not want to give up either or want to want to close myself to either of these things. And I think today it's important that we just tear down some walls we build up ourselves and just be open-minded and just go for highest quality but in many different directions. Mm. I mean, when you conceive of, say, your medium-term career, having a PhD is obviously in your sights uh, and then do you do you conceive yourself as sort of a, a solo artist or do you conceive yourself leading a traditional orchestra or that kind of thing where where do you picture your your next goal i think um leading an orchestra or playing solo chamber music those of course are in some degree different skill sets too and my um my experience is mostly in chamber music and as a soloist, mm -hmm. I think. And what I would love to do personally, and that's also where my PhD comes into play, is I would love to continue teaching in a university setting. That's really what I love to do, to like try to pass on what I learned and what I experienced to a new generation of musicians too, myself. Mm -hmm. But um, also to play on stage, and this might be... In the, with different ensembles, with wonderful colleagues, which I'm really happy to do. Um, and as a soloist, that would be my ideal. Mm. You mentioned your brother is a documentary filmmaker and an arch uh, into architecture. Archaeologist. Uh, he, he, an archaeologist, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> archaeologist. And that uh, that's so important when we queue up your next piece of music, which is uh, Earl König, right? right? What does Earl mean? I know König is king. Well, Earl König is this... Um, it's this fable animal that's kind of symbolic for the devil, basically. Ah, yeah. Okay, and that's the that's the piece. Mm -hmm. But for the video, again, a video your brother made, you're walking through this exquisite ruin of uh, what looks like an ancient castle. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Actually, it's next door to my parents' place. Really? <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, in southwest Germany, as you might know, there's so many beautiful castles yeah. everywhere because there used to be so many tiny or like tiny kingdoms everywhere, kingdoms. exactly. So every king wanted their own castle. And this is one of them. And um, we came up with the idea we wanted to do something that works with like symbolisms in pictures and also keeps like the eye a bit engaged mm. while we go through this like very engaged, very, very challenging piece. And, yeah. yeah. So you can picture Christian Kim walking around in this ruins of a Game of Thrones looking castle and soloing on his violin as you listen to this selection from El Koenig. Let's listen to that.
the tension mounts. I, I, should I feel afraid listening to that music? Am I being warned? Well, I, I can briefly explain a bit of the background. This is originally based on a, a poem by Goethe, where, where it's about the father and the son riding home, and the son sees the devil in, in like the shadows and everything. And so the, you hear this constant rhythm, which is a horse riding. Mm. So this poem was then um, put into a composition, into a song by Schubert. And so for piano and a solo voice, and the voice singing three different characters, the father, son, and the devil... And then some insane virtuoso named, named Ernst came up with the idea to put the singer and the piano both parts into a solo violin, which is a melody instrument not made for like similar separate voices necessarily. So, and this is um, is um, seen as one of the most challenging technically pieces for violin. So, I had I wanted to do this recording once. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, one of the lines that I read over and over about you when I uh, read some of uh, your biographical material online is that you were educated to a large degree in the Russian tradition of music and violin. What does that mean for somebody who doesn't really know? Okay, that's a good question. Um, There is really something called the golden era of violinists and in the 1950s, 60s, I would say, and this was centered around Moscow, actually, the Tchaikovsky Conservatory, and many of the greatest names in violin history came from this era. And after the Soviet Russia broke 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 down in the 90s, um, late 80s, many of these artists came to Germany to keep teaching. And I was so lucky to have studied with uh, two wonderful, wonderful violinists who have this like Russian background of the highest order. And yes, that's where I grew up. Basically. And that's kind of the stamp, in a way, on Absolutely. your yeah. your young musical education. Yeah. That kind of what I hear, and I, like I said, I, I don't, I'm no expert in violin, but I hear like sort of you attack the violin. It's a very, um, it's an, a very aggressive, a very forward leaning way of playing. Is that fair to say? Well, I think, of course, we listen to a couple of virtuoso pieces now, and I would say that's in a way very right. Um, especially with those pieces, there is in the Russian this is a sense of going forward. Of of there's some there's no like no slowing down, nothing stopping you in a, in a virtuoso way. Of course, if we go to lyrical pieces, it's a bit different. Hmm. Another big influence on your life has been Hyo Kang, yes. uh, the founder, I believe, of uh, Sejong Soloist. Yes, very true. That's in New York. Yes. Uh, Sejong, an obvious reference to King Sejong. So mm-hmm. uh, is there any backstory beyond that as to why it's called Sejong Soloist? Well, or? as you know, King Sejong has done so much for Korean culture and the arts. And of course, this would, was an ideal patron for like a new formed group with, with the goal to go for like the highest quality and the highest inspirational um, mm. goals. And also to make a lot of things available. Uh, Hangul, exactly. of course, took all the literature, made it available, yes. and that was kind of a big Sejong thing, wasn't it? It's very true, and also Sejong Souls also always tries to do some non-profit concerts and, and reach out and do, um, do concerts in, for, for educational purposes too. So mm-hmm. this is very much some, an idol we look up to, of course. Sure. You've, uh, how much time in the stretch of your life have you spent in Korea? Has it been back and forth, back and forth, or is it more tilted towards the later years? Well, I I think the first time I came, my professional debut as a soloist with orchestra was 2006 here. And since then I've been, I would say, on average once or twice a year for concerts. Uh-huh. And I moved here to Seoul about one and a half years ago. 
And so this is the longest stretch for sure I'm here continuously. This is immersion now. Yes, it is. Yeah. To what extent did mom throughout your life um, kind of spoon feed you uh, Korean either language, culture or whatever? Well, um, I spoke Korean until I went to the kindergarten, actually. Oh, yeah? And then I apparently went to the kindergarten and came home and was so sad because no one wanted to speak Korean to me in Germany. <laughs> so, <laughs> Imagine. Since, since then, I didn't speak Korean anymore, Which, but I'm, I'm trying to catch up with that now. But I feel growing up and also seeing now from a different angle now that I, I think it was raised more Korean than German in a way. What and does that mean? I think you know what it means, Kurt. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I know a surprising number of German-Korean mixed people. Yeah. Uh, and they, they, they sometimes um, complain that I'm too Korean for Germany and I'm too German oh, for Korea. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I still don't know what that means because these are two extremely disciplined cultures. In different ways. In different true, yeah. ways. Mm -hmm. Koreans, if, you, if we're going to be stereotypical, Koreans are more passionate. Germans are perhaps a bit more controlled and cerebral. Mm -hmm. um, so... I mean, how do you reconcile the two identities? Well, that's a very good question, good question too. I, I was asked so many times in my life, are you more German, are you more Korean? And, and also, of course, I thought about this. Of course, in the end, I'm myself. And of course, I combine like so many influences from, of course, these two, two poles, but also different, different influences. Um, why do I think I'm more raised more Korean than German? I think... I love this notion of um, respect for... Uh, I'm not saying Germans are not respectful, but no, Koreans no, have it. a specific way yeah, yeah. of treating... Ritualized. Absolutely. And and then also what you mentioned, this, this passionate part versus the more objective, analyzing, accurate German. Mm. Um, I hope, of course, I have some of these positive traits of a German too, but I feel I'm, I think, a more... Um, on the passionate side of things. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's one of the most interesting possible cultural combinations I can imagine. Really? Polar, mm -hmm. in some ways, polar mm -hmm. opposite cultures. Mm -hmm. uh, sort of this this ice cold sort of approach to the world yeah. uh, from a whole tradition of you know pure reason, mm -hmm. and then uh, the Korean uh, approach, which is a ritualized respect for elders and a whole lot of emotion just baked yes. into the thing. So in, in this year or so that you've been back, uh, any bumps, obstacles? Were you as Korean as you thought you were coming back <laughs> to live? Or? I, I mean, as I said, I've been here quite for many years, many times. Um, it was harder than I thought to get started here. Mm. Um, it's a new environment. It's, um, of course, I, not too many people I know, new language I'm struggling with, although I'm familiar with the sound, but still. Mm. Um, but I, I learned to really love Seoul and Korea, and it, it turned out to be everything I hoped it would be. The ear training at a young age with your mother makes all the difference, doesn't it? Stuck, it? Yeah, it's stuck, yeah. Really. It's It helps me a bit to learn at least a bit quicker. And Korea loves its returning heroes. Um, you know, I mean, you've been extremely successful, and I've seen you now in various television network uh, documentaries and stuff. You're kind of touring around and being hugged by the children and teaching <laughs> the kids. You did, you've, you've done some of that, right? You've yes, done some yeah, um, yeah. sort of mentoring. Yeah, I, I love this. I, yeah, it's such, it's such a reward to pass on what you benefited from, what you learned. 
and just to see how it it lights up like children smiles mm-hmm. it's amazing is there um how would you categorize or how would you describe the music education environment the or the interest level in younger koreans in terms of classical stuff i would say that's amazing that's pretty much unique in the world especially compared of course to central europe and also even the states but um, there's such a, that's another thing that's very Korean is such a high appreciation for education in general hmm. and then for classical education too in all the arts but also especially in classical music and it's so nice to see full concert halls with a very well, with, with a lot of young audience too and who have an understanding and a passion and learn instruments and, I mean every Korean student um, have, learns some kind of instrument too hmm. and that's I, I feel just like a huge appreciation for this, which is just wonderful to write on this energy here. And especially classical music. It's Absolutely. it's so built into the esteem of education. Yes. Uh, and it sort of de- it combines all of those disciplines at yes. once, mathematics and so forth. Um, do you have a favorite piece of music? You, you can place about a million pieces of music. Let me put you on the spot. Just one <laughs> or two that you can take with you to your tropical island. Okay, of course, as a musician... I think every piece I'm playing in the moment has to be my favorite piece in a way. If I had to pick one, it has it had to be the Bach Chacon. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, that's so many, so many violinists say that. It has to be. Yeah, it just it's it's not the easiest piece to listen to. But once you look, try to look behind it, it's just an ocean of wisdom and eternity. It has to be the Bach Chacon. Okay, so for the average layperson listener who cues up Chacon on their on their uh, uh, CD. What does it mean that it has so many layers of complexity? How can I better appreciate that oh. piece of music? <laughs> just put on your hat of, an, oh, of a music could, educator we now. We could talk about this for an hour. <laughs> no, no, just give me the sort of cliff notes. Well, it is um, it is a um, theme and variation based um, piece, but it explores if you really lean into it and give it the room it needs in you. It explores all emotions. It explores life and death, love and tragedy in 15 minutes. It says everything about life. Yeah. Is it the hardest piece you've ever played? Musically, it's a journey that's lifelong. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, uh, on the technical front, just real briefly, anything to conquer? Is there a piece that you haven't mas- that you haven't nailed yet that you really want to get? Um, yes, there's always, of course, pieces I do want to learn and add to the repertoire. And I hope, of, of course, that I will be challenged my whole yeah. life. Yeah. There's, but there's not some uh, particular target that you've been working with over the years and you still want to climb that mountain? Kind there's of always a target. <laughs> there's always a target, Kurt. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, Christian Kim is here completing his PhD and I think you can look forward to him being one of the shining stars of music and music education here in Korea. We're going to listen to uh, Tchaikovsky Concerto as we go out. Do you want to tell us a, just a brief bit about that? Or? Absolutely. This is um, this is a live recording of, of a concert I played actually in, in Seoul and from, I think, uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Yes, okay. Yeah. We'll just quickly say the show is produced by Sol Kim, associate production from Jamie Lee. Christine Saul does the writing, and I'm Kurt Asian. Here's Christian Kim playing Tchaikovsky Concerto as we head out. We'll see you again tomorrow morning on Koreascape.